You know, I, oftentimes I, I love looking at little statements that kids make. I think children have the most innocent things to say and sometimes the most honest things to say. And as they try to figure out life, and we've been talking about heaven, so I thought, I wonder if there's any little statements from kids about heaven. I ran across some, and I had to chuckle at them when I read them. I was like, yeah, I think that's the way a lot of us think. There's a little seven-year-old Clarissa. Uh, she wasn't really excited about going to Sunday school, uh, and her little friend talked her into it. So after the first class at lunch, she said to her mom, she goes, I like my teacher. She said, if I come to Sunday school every Sunday, she'll show me how I can get a free ticket to heaven. Yeah, I don't know about that, but yeah. A three-year-old Morgan, she came over one day to her grandma's house. And uh, she looked around the room and she said, where's grandpa? And grandma said, oh, remember, he's in heaven. And she looked at grandma and she said, still? <laughs> yeah. Another little girl said, mom, God's so neat. He's so incredible. And heaven is supposed to be so great. Can me and Gloria go over there Saturday for a sleepover? <laughs> Isn't that, I mean, I think there's a lot of us that would agree with her and like saying, if I could, just, for, just a sleepover, I want to see what it's like because then I can come back and then I know it's going to be okay. I'll make it. And that's what we've been talking about last week and, and a few lessons for graduates and uh, talking last week saying there's a lot of life changes that goes on in our lives whether you lose somebody close, whether you're making a transition in your job, or whether you're graduating from high school or college, there's moments in our lives when we feel like I'm heading to something new and it can be a little scary. So we were talking about heaven last week. I'm going to continue that today because we all know this. At some point in time in our life, it's all going to end. We, we all have an expiration date. We just don't know what that day is. As in death, we believe as Christians that there is eternal life. This eternal life is either going to be spent in the presence of God or in the absence of God. It will either be heaven or hell. And the amazing thing is that we have a holy, forgiving God who says, I'm going to let you choose. I love you. I, I want you to choose heaven, but I leave the choice to you. And we have to make that choice before we die. And some may wonder about heaven. We hear words of comfort about heaven. And we can be confident with full hope as Christians that that is where Jesus reigns. He comforted his own disciples with some powerful words on the night that he was about ready to be arrested. In the book of John, chapter 14, Jesus said this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and I will get you so you will always be with me where I am. I love how Jesus is basically coming to his disciples and bringing us words of comfort too and saying, it's going to be okay. We don't have to let our hearts be troubled. We don't have to be ruled by anxiety, wrestling with our thoughts. Jesus is there preparing a place for us right now. Think about this. He assures us he's going to come someday. And for all those who believe, we will be with him. And if our God who has created such an incredible word, his uniqueness, his power, in the things that we have visibly seen, can you imagine what's to come and what he is creating? 
Again, this, uh, this message, the message before, is no complete picture of heaven. There's no, we're going to be able to cover this in, in two Sundays. There's so much to understand. So I'm trying to keep it on the semi-surface level, so to say. But let me review real quick from last week. Last week I said this. We began with the, the greatest and the most important truth you need to know about heaven. And that is, that is where God is. That's where God is. He made us for himself. He loves us. He wants us to be with him. We looked at a verse in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says this, The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. That's, that's the heartbeat of God. He loves you. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He gives us a free gift. He says, all you have to do is repent. Repentant is turning from your selfish ways and turning to God. It's basically saying, I've lived my own life. I need to live for you. I am sorry for all the things that I've done. Please forgive me. That is repenting. That is turning away from that one direction and going in the right direction. And I think, obviously, as I'm saying this, the greatest thing about heaven is God. But can I share with you a very close second is the greatest moment. The greatest thing about heaven, I think, is God. The greatest moment is going to be when we step into the presence of Jesus Christ. And the one with the nail-scarred hands extends his arms out to each of us and pulls us in for a hug. Some of you are obvious huggers in this church, Mike Fogarty. Others of you, and I won't name names, not so much the huggers. You will be a hugger in heaven. I believe it. Because when Jesus extends his arms out, you're going to be like, bring it in. And you're going to feel that. And it's going to be good every day. I'm in full agreement with that one. A big amen. The Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And when Jesus was on the cross looking at the repentant thief, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. As Christians, we believe that when we pass away, we're in the presence of an almighty God. But then we say, well, well, then what about heaven and what about what's going on? And that's when we dug into Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And so if you want to turn to Revelation 21, we're going to hit a few verses here in a second and then we'll go to 22. We read that heaven, there's going to be a new earth and a new heaven. New heaven is going to come down on this new earth. That new earth will be sort of like rewinding back to Adam and Eve before sin, before humanity blew it. The lush gardens, the animals, the trees, the humanity harmony with one another, with all creation. We will have a new resurrection body. You'll be able to recognize each other, but you won't be you. It's unique, isn't it? We learned that this earth is going to be restored as well. And on this new earth and new heaven, with this new resurrected body, we'll have a new relationship with God. We will be able to commune with him face to face. We will be able to have nothing in between us, our guilt, our sin, that will all be removed. We have a new relationship with sin. No more abuse, no more regrets, no more bad memories, no more betrayal. You won't ever experience failure again. You won't be disappointed. You won't be rejected. No more prejudice, no more racism, no more poverty, 
No more of those things on the news that you shake your head at and can't believe what you're reading or what you're hearing. No more of that. No more kids getting abused. No more sin. No more death. You will never be afraid. You will never be ashamed. Isn't that good news? And we covered that last week. And I was, I was hoping when you left us, we'd get a little bit more hope in you than maybe you had coming in. Revelation chapter 21. Would you look there with me in verse 4? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. Then he said to me, write this down. For I tell you, it's trustworthy and true. As I said, it's not just a new relationship with God and, and with sin there's a new kind of experience of complete satisfaction. All those things we long for, all those, well, I'm competing with that person for that, or, or I wish I had that, that's all gone. You are completely satisfied. New city, people to enjoy a perfect environment. Heaven is reserved for people like you who love God, who want to experience God's love. But now look at Revelation Chapter 21, verse 9. He's going to describe heaven. It's like this angel comes to John and is like, John, you've been going through some rough times. This world around you, the, the, the culture, the persecution on Christians now, y'all need some hope. So I'm going to take you to a spot and you're going to see an eternal hope. So he gives a, a picture as clear as we can have. He ends up on this high mountain. And this is what we read. It says, then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, come with me. I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, sparkled with precious stone like jasper's clearest crystal. The city wall was broad and high, with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide it was, as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured and found the thickness of the wall to be 216 feet. All right, football coaches, football players, how many feet in a football field? 300. 216 feet thick is the wall. Two-thirds of a football field thick the wall. Wow. Now, why is he on this mountain overseeing this incredible vision? Maybe, maybe because he's the angel. I, I, I know you're not going to be able to see it all, but I want you to try to see it all. And, and, and you can only imagine what John is seeing here when he sees the foundations of the city walls decorated with every kind of precious stone. He sees the gates with an angel at each one. 1,400 miles long, wide, high. This is huge. 
How many floors is that? How brilliant of a city is this? Now, it's an amazing city. And you have to wonder, what's it going to be like in the city? Church, this is your, this is your future that we're talking about here in Scripture, giving you just a small glimpse. And we have to wonder, what is it going to be like? We get a small picture, right? Here's the thing. I grew up on a very small town uh, in between two small towns, Wyatt and Wakarusa. And now I live in Wasyan. I'm in the world of W's, I guess. So my next place, wherever I live, is probably going to be a W. I don't know. Maybe it'll always be here. But here's the thing about Wyatt. Wyatt had no stoplights. Matter of fact, it didn't even have a stop sign. Here's an aerial view of it. You only slow down to go to the barber, maybe. And I remember my barber. I don't think he had a bowl, but I'm looking at my old past haircuts. I think he used a bowl. And he pulled out the little drawer and had a stick of gum in there. Denny, do you have gum for little kids? No? Okay. Yeah, you might want to invest in that. Anyway, I liked going there because I got gum, right? But that was Wyatt, right? Then Walkerusa. Walkerusa a little bit bigger. Two stoplights, one in the middle of town, one on the outskirts of town by the major highway. In the middle of town of Thanksgiving, harvest time, they put a pumpkin tree in the middle. Christmas, a Christmas tree. No left turn, right only, get around it, right? That's, that's Walkerusa. So you can imagine when I grew up inside Wyatt and Wakarusa as a sixth grader, when I get to hear that I get to go on a trip to New York City with my brother to go visit my cousins. New York City, that's cool. I wonder what it's going to be like. I wonder if it's bigger than Wakarusa. <laughs> it's bigger than Wakarusa, okay? I, you know, I was floored by the size of New York, and that was many years ago. The Rockefeller Center, remember, this was Christmas time, so the Rockefeller Center, uh, the, the Chinatown, Macy's. I mean, the Chinese, I didn't know what a Chinese restaurant was until I went to New York City, right? Again, I grew up on a farm, right? whatever. And so I, I, I get into New York City, and I'm looking at all the sights, the sounds, the smells. I mean, why it had its smell, okay? <laughs> the farmers brought the smell into town. Uh, but in New York City... The lights, I mean, at 2 a.m. in the morning, 3 a.m. in the morning, it's like a third shift at a factory. It's still going. I mean, people are still walking around. You're thinking, what time is it? Shouldn't all these people be in bed? Who's going to turn off the lights? They don't get turned off, right? When I became a youth pastor, I moved here. We experienced a lot of trips, but there's one trip that I always did every year with our middle school students. Some of you might have been on one of those students or one of those trips. We go to Chicago. And in Chicago, we, we'd walk down Michigan Avenue. We'd look at the stores. We'd go to Pacific Garden Mission, and we would serve the homeless. We would uh, go to maybe a baseball game, a museum, Sears Tower. Uh, we would go to, on Sunday, a church of a different culture to sort of open our eyes as to the way this world is. And it was a blast, right? Now, with all that in mind, this new earth, this new Heaven, this city, heaven that comes down on earth, it's going to be a thousand times bigger than New York and Chicago. Can you imagine the sights of what's going to be inside that city? I, I, I can't even, this is how big it is. From here to the Grand Tetons of Wyoming, okay? From Detroit to Miami, now square that off. That's how big the city is. It's huge. And inside that city, all the saints, all those from the Old Testament, Noah, Adam and Eve, Joseph, Esther, Job. We're going to walk up to Job and say, Job, thank you for writing your book. I can't believe all that you went through and you never gave up. There's a lot of people in here that read your book and 
We appreciate what you wrote. Thank you, Job. I'm sorry you went through all that in your life. We're going we're to meet up with Mary and Joseph. Hey, how was that trip? How was that journey to Bethlehem? Wow, right? Peter, when you threw the net into the water and, and you got no fish and Jesus said, throw it over here. And the next thing you know, you can't even lift the net into your boat because it's so full. Or Paul, you got yelled at a lot when you're standing in front of these big crowds and they threw rocks at you. They, they, they hurt you. They beat you. And yet you never gave up. What was that like? We're going to meet historians, theologians. We're going to meet missionaries. We're going to meet some of those first missionaries that walked into a village that had no kind of civilization as far as what we see as civilization. They had their own, right? Their own culture. But somebody went in and talked to a hut, into the hut of the, maybe the, the tribe leader and said, I want to tell you about a God who loves you. And some of those missionaries never walked out of those huts. They were killed on the spot. There was Christians who were beheaded that were burned at the stake. We'll be able to meet them and say, thank you for being bold. Heaven's going to be filled with all these people. And the Sunday school teachers, we don't know their names, but they faithfully taught and served in the churches. Grandparents, parents, people that we miss, we love, we'll see them. And it's going to be amazing testimonies. That's in the city. And then the amazing foods. Uh, I think we're going to have new taste buds, right? I think I've burned mine out on coffee. And, you know, there's certain things I don't taste as much as well anymore. I can, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see. And we're going to taste new foods, I think. I really believe that. You know, the children of Israel were fed manna. Remember that in the Old Testament with Moses? And the children of Israel, they were fed manna. What, is, what does it say manna was? Manna was the bread, the food of the angels. Angelic Food. I'm not talking angel food cake, okay? Angelic food. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? For those of you that work construction or you're architects, you're going to walk in, you're like, wow, how they built this. That's amazing. That, I wonder, I believe, that God's going to give you some opportunities to build. For those of you who like to write, those of you who like to sing, I believe God will give you the opportunity to write new songs, to sing new songs. Whatever it is you are gifted and skilled at, I believe God's going to say, hey, while you're here, I'd like you to use your gift for me right now. I believe that's going to take place in this city when you read all about it. It is not a mystical place. It is a real place, a new earth and a new heaven with relationships, with culture, with music, with animals, with buildings. God has something more wonderful than we can ever imagine. And we discover that the capital is Jerusalem of this magnificent city. And we'll come and we'll worship. And there's going to be other cities as well. Look in Scripture, chapter 21, verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in the light. The kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there's no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. The nations walk in the light. The kings of the world come in and out. The gates will never be closed. It sounds like a real earth with real action going on in this city. Look at verse 27. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry, dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing impure will enter this point of time. No cheating, no uh, immoral, immoral things. You know, I, I think about this. We have great places in town, and some of you are business owners. 
And, and God has gifted you with the ability to manage and lead and, and so forth. And I was thinking about this in heaven. I believe God's going to let you continue your gift of management. But here's the thing. There's no competition. You'll be able to serve and manage and, and instruct and construct and do all these things without having to try to outdo anybody. You just get to do it for the glory of God. You get to be amazed at what you will do for him. It says, nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's why it's so important to make sure your name is in the Lamb's book of life. And before we leave here today, we're going to make sure. I'm going to open it. No, I don't, I don't have it. God has it. He sees it. The question is, are you in it? I pray you are. Look at Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, it says this, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there. His servants will worship him. They will see his face. His name will be written on their foreheads. There will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun. For the Lord God will shine on them. They will reign forever and ever. Verse 6, Then the angel said to me, Everything you've heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. And we look at these verses and this amazing new earth, this incredible new city of heaven that comes down, we say like, wow, this is to come. This, this is going to happen. And, and you're going to be a part of this new earth and a part of this heaven. And there's going to be commerce and culture and there's, there's going to be capabilities and things of serving God just as God said, I intended you to serve me this way to begin with. And now it's pure. In her book about heaven, Anne Graham Lotz said this, she said she bought a ticket to tour the Buckingham Palace in London. She said she passed through these spectacular rooms where the, the ceilings were hand-painted with these pictures and magnificent paintings on the walls and the furniture that was, was incredible. The crystal chandelier, she said, she went on and on talking about Buckingham Palace. But she said this, nowhere did I see a child's toy. Nowhere did I see a coffee cup sitting on a table set for, or a table set for two. She said, Buckingham Palace is a magnificent show place, but it's hard to think of it as a home. It's not a home. The amazing scenes of heaven will far exceed any Buckingham Palace, any museum, for this will be our home. It will feel like home. It will look like home. It will be home. And that's why right now we have these moments in our lives where we are disgusted, where we're frustrated, where we're longing. Because you know why? This isn't our home. That will be. Our resurrected bodies will be perfectly equipped to enjoy all the features of a new heaven and a new earth. Our friends, our loved ones in Christ will meet us. Our tears will be gone. How exciting to know the joy of what awaits us, church. And I hope and pray this morning as, as we read through this, as I share this with you, I hope that maybe just a little bit, I'm trying to read your faces here, but I hope inside there's a lot more joy being expressed. I hope inside you're like, yes, 
Come back, Jesus, right? But there's some questions we have to answer before we go any further. Here's, here's the number one question. Number one question is, are you certain you're going to heaven? Are you 100% right now knowing you're going to go to heaven? I said, God said, you know what? I've prepared this incredible place for you. I sent my only son to come down to be humiliated, to be embarrassed, to be crucified. So he would rise on that third day to beat death and sin so that you can be with me. So will you be with me? In uh, the book of 1 John, John was facing these people called Gnostics. They, they had all this heady knowledge and there was some false teaching going on. And John's like, we need to clarify here some things that are being misunderstood and misread and missaid. So in 1 John chapter 5, he goes, I want to make it clear. He says this, and this is what God has testified. This life is in his son. Whoever has the son, that's Jesus Christ, has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. See, the question isn't, are you sincere? Do you give to United Way or to the church or to another mission organization? What's your philosophy like compared to that philosophy? And what is your opinion? Are you a good person? If you have the Son of God living in you, you have eternal life. If you do not have the Son of God living in you, you do not have eternal life. It's that simple. If you don't have the Son of God in you, then you need to repent. Repentance is basically saying, this is the way I was going, living my own way, living my own life, making mistakes along the way. But you know what? I need to repent. I need to turn back to God and admit I'm a sinner. Admit I made mistakes. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Save me from my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to know how to live my life. That's repentance. If you're, you're sitting here thinking, well, I'm not sure, don't leave unsure. Know today when you walk out of here 100%. You know, it's, here's the thing. I think it's time we stop messing around as Christians and stop trying to act cool in front of everybody. It's like we don't want to confess in, this in front of everybody. We don't want to admit this in front of our friends. We don't want to, it's like, well, I, I, I want to put on this good front as a Christian. It's like we need to stop messing around with that. We need to be real. We need to be honest. This is the biggest decision you will ever make. And to fake it, it's going to be painful, eternally painful. Because some of us, you know, it's like, if somebody would ask you, are you a Christian? I mean, would they, be able to, would they know by the way we live? Here's the thing. If, if you're too embarrassed to say you're a follower of the one who created this world and who sent his son to die for you, if you're too embarrassed to say that out loud, I question whether you really have Jesus in your life. Because if you had Jesus in your life, you would not be embarrassed of it. I love the fact that we had these kids up here last week. We had an adult in the first service, and somebody came in at 5.30. They basically stood in front of everybody and said, I'm not ashamed. I'm going to get baptized. I want everybody to know I'm a Christian. If you, men, men, if you were in this room today and you're like, I married the most beautiful woman, and you're just going on and on and on and on about your beautiful wife. And I said, really? Let me see a picture. No, let me see a picture. You claim this great truth, but yet you don't, you don't want you don't, you don't to prove it to me. That might question whether or not your wife is really that beautiful. I'm not going to argue with you, but I mean, I, I might, you don't want, are you embarrassed of her? Why don't you want to show me a picture? Sometimes I feel it's the same way with our faith. We say we love God, but we just don't want to talk about him. 
Why are we embarrassed of him? See, because I, I don't know, I wonder sometimes if we live in this, this world where we're so more concerned about us. We are more concerned about what other people think than what God thinks. You know that? I remember in middle school, our high school had this huge football field, a track that went around it, big stands. Um, it was just a big program. And in middle school, on every Friday night, even though I liked football, I walked the track with my friends. We walked around the track and, and we, we just we circled the, the track the whole game. You know what was going on in this little pea brain mine? Everybody's looking at me right now. <laughs> I'm so cool. I'm with my friends and everybody sees me. No, they didn't. They're watching the game. But see, in my mind, I'm walking around thinking everybody's probably looking at me right now. We do that with social media. We put a lot of stuff out there because we want, we want to impress everybody sometimes. And that's not the whole story with everybody with social media. But sometimes we might catch ourselves like, hey, look at this. You know, look at, or, or in life, we're so concerned about what other people think, how we dress, how we act, what event we're going to go to, what we're going to do when we show up here. Because, well, we got to impress this person. It's like, what does that person think? What does God think? Sometimes we get so caught up in what others think. Listen, I'm there. A lot of times it's like, man, I don't want to fail you guys. But my first prayer needs to be, God, I don't want to fail you today. Before I get up here, when I pray up here, before I come up, it's like, God, may you receive all the glory. I can't do this. It's got to be you. What does God think? I, I, I struggle with that at times, you know, that whole self-satisfaction. But it's that point in time, church, we got to make sure, we are certain. Are you 100% sure that you're saved? Because I've got good news and bad news. Good news is heaven is real. That's good news. We've just been talking about it. Here's the bad news. Heaven, I'm sorry, hell is real. That's the bad news. You know what the greatest news is? The greatest news is, is that you can be sure 100% that you're going to be in heaven for all eternity in the presence of God, filled with joy and love. So let me ask you again. Are you sure you're going to heaven? I want you to be able to answer that. Here's the second question. And this is more for those of you like, I'm 100% sure, so let me ask you this question, okay? This question goes to you. The question is, do your present priorities and passions, do they demonstrate a focus on eternity or on what is temporal. In other words, what you own, your, your finances, your, your time, your, how, your gifts and how you serve, do you use those for God's glory or do you use them just for yourself? As a believer in Christ, when I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm, what I have no longer belongs to me. God, how can I use this for your glory? Here's the third question, last question. With the thought of this new heaven and new earth, with everything we've talked about in the last two weeks, the excitement, the hope, the size of the city, the resurrected body, the, the new relationship with God, who are you going to tell? Do you know somebody that needs to be there? I mean, this is real. This is real. Who needs to know? Who are you going to share this with? That's my third question for you. Because I have to ask you this. Who do you think is going to tell them if you don't? Somebody else will tell them. Somebody else will tell them. Somebody else, you know, we, sometimes we do that. We're walking and we see something on the ground. Yeah, somebody else will pick that up. We're driving down the road. We see something on the road. Yeah, somebody will pull over and get that off the road. Somebody else will do it. Who's going to tell the one you love about heaven? 
You think maybe God wants you to do that? Sometimes we get sort of quiet and shy about eternal matters. I want to encourage you to, to be bold. I want to encourage you, church, to share the truth. You know what? They're not going to be in heaven. If those of us who say we love our friends, we love our relatives, we love our coworkers, but we don't tell them, how are they going to get there? How are they going to know? I want to encourage you, think of two people right now. Two people, it's like, you know what? I can just shoot them a text, call them up, say, hey, can I, can I just share? I, we've been talking about heaven. I just want to share with you what I've learned about heaven. What do you think about heaven? Have a conversation with them. Go out for lunch, breakfast, grab a, a, a coffee, a Coke, whatever you, you know, and just have that conversation. And by the way, it doesn't have to be just two, okay? You're like, well, I got four people in mind, but Pastor Rex said two, so sorry for those other two. Hope somebody reaches them. However many people God lays upon your heart, you go at it. You go at it. No, there's no limit, but I want to encourage you, two people. What would happen if 150 people go out and share with two people about a God who loves them? It's called multiplication. People coming to know Jesus. And it's not for your and my glory. It's for his glory. Worship team, would you come forward, please? When we start wrapping up here in Revelation, there's one more thing I want you to see. Look at Revelation chapter 22. I'm going to put these verses up on the screen. There's four verses all in that last chapter. And they all sound very similar. Verse 7, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in a book. Verse 10, then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Verse 12, look, I'm coming soon. Bring in my reward and with me to repay all people according to their deeds. And then verse 20, he who is faithful, witness to all things, says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Four times we see the urgency of this truth. Jesus is coming, church. He's coming soon. The last records, recorded words of Jesus. What's the last thing Jesus wanted to tell you? I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. Are you ready? Are the people around you ready? Throughout history, followers of Jesus expected Jesus to show up anytime soon. We said he's coming soon. It's been 2,000 years. Let's remember, God's timeline and our timeline are two different things. You know that scripture, 2 Peter 3, 9, I've been saying the last two weeks, God is being patient, doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to repent. You know that verse? Check out the verse right before it. The verse right before it says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a 1,000 years to the Lord, and a 1,000 years is like a day. God's not bound by time. I mean, if you were to go off of this equation, if you wanted you say, well, a thousand years is like a day. So Jesus has only been gone two days in his timeline. You can come back anytime. Are you looking forward to that soon return? Are you living in a way that draws people to his return? Would you stand, please? This morning... As we pray, I'm going to invite you to pray with me in a certain way. Because I think it's time we make sure 100% that we are sure of this eternal hope that each of us can have. Let's pray. Heads bowed, please. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you for your truth of your word. I thank you that in Revelation, 
you give us a small glimpse of an amazing new earth, an amazing new city beyond our thoughts and imagination. And it's like, this is going to be our home. And it makes sense why we, we struggle now here on earth because this isn't our home. So we long and we have desires, but we understand that someday those will all be gone. The beauty, the most incredible thing is that we are going to be in your presence, God. We will see your son face to face and, and we'll, I believe, Lord, we're going to get that hug from him that we've wanted to give him from the day we first prayed and asked you to come into our life. And God, I believe that we're going to see amazing things and, and the testimonies and the stories of people. And, and God, I, there's people in our life that we want to be there with us. But God, first of all, we need to make sure we are there, that we, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So Heavenly Father, we just want to pause right now and do a heart examination. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in here this morning, and, and, and you are not sure about your eternal destination, but you want to be sure, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Make it your words. But if this morning it's like, I want to get things right with God, then, then pray this prayer. And just pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me for the things that I've done wrong. Forgive me for my rebellion. I'm sorry. Take away my sins. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to be that sacrifice to save me. I confess that Jesus Christ is your son. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life, Lord. Guide my every step. I ask for you to be my Savior and my Lord. Give me the strength to follow you every day. Give me the strength to be bold in my faith. Thank you, God, for the gift you give me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, would you raise your hand, please? If you prayed that prayer, something like that prayer, would you raise your hand? Amen. Oh, praise God. Amen. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. For those of you who have raised your hands, please know this. The angels rejoice in knowing that your name is in that Lamb's book of life. For those of you who raise your hands, as my friend always said, I'll see you here or I'll see you there. I'm thankful that I have brothers and sisters that I'll be in heaven with and now you as well. I encourage you that you've now, you are 100% sure to keep growing in your faith. If you're here this morning, you are 100% sure. You're like, I, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know my name's in that book. I know I'm going to heaven. Maybe it's time you ask God to help you tell that next person that you love, that you want to share. Would you pray this prayer with me if you want? Heavenly Father, we pray now, Lord, as a follower of you, as one who believes in you, Lord, who should I share this great news with? God, put on my heart right now a couple names. Who do I need to tell? 
God, I know I don't have to bombard them with stuff. I just, just help me give the right words to say. Just, and, and not to be pushy, but, to, but in love to say something. So God, give, give us the courage to say what we need to say. Give us the boldness. And God, I pray that for this whole church right now, that we will have a passion to continue to want to grow in our faith. God, we love you. We look forward to that day of a new heaven and earth. But until that day comes, you've given us an opportunity right here to worship you. We thank you for that. You give us an opportunity to share your love with others. We thank you for that. Help us, Lord, to do so in a way that gives you all the glory and all the honor. In thy name we pray. Amen. Amen.